0: The Around the NFL Podcast. Don't care about your mock drafts.
2: Don't need to, because they're over, baby. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name's Dan Hansis. come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Zessler, Greg Rosenthal. Mark, listen, it's our one Saturday show of the year. If you ever had a chance to cut loose and put on one of your little cute little star wars shirts uh this was the time but here you are in a full-on button down like it's tuesday afternoon for the big meeting with the boss
3: (laughs) well i see what you're saying um and i understand but i also just had like two extra buttons just undone all day it was just sort of wandering around um, my house which resembles sort of a war zone right now because um simone poorly is is dealing with the with the second vaccine and is Mm. conked out on the couch and the children are running around like it's um 1981 Nicaragua, as I attempt to speak with you about the events of the past two days.
2: It's like bazookas in the back of pickup trucks driving around at 80 miles per hour. That's just how I imagine Nicaragua was about 40 years ago. That's the scene.
4: Mark, Mark. um, I feel like you wouldn't know that he's from Connecticut, but one thing I think he retains from his Connecticut upbringing is he does wear button-down shirts and shorts on a Saturday. Like, whenever we're just, like, hanging out by the beach near, near, like, at Wes's place back Mm -hmm. in the day, like, if he was at... Like, Mark's coming by in a button-down shirt. That's just his
3: thing. And he's I, always... I just like collared shirts. Um, with the way that I look, um, T-shirts don't always get it done um, until I improve the health. So the collared shirts hide and disguise a lot.
2: The, if know, there's if... one thing with Mark, it's like collared shirts, boat shoes, and talking about the yacht You know, in the harbors. <laughs> like, I got to tow that thing out of there. I got to redo the floors. Got to talk to the harbor master. Seems I mean, like we're lucky job. we
3: even have a second lease car right now, so totally off the, <laughs> off the accuracy all right. chart.
2: The draft is over. Round seven has concluded. The 2021 NFL draft is in the books. Um, it felt normal. I mean, I know it's still different. And the fact that, for instance, during the round one on Thursday night, there was a graphic, a graphic that said fully vaccinated draft room, which still is the funniest thing of the draft for me. Uh, you know, all sorts of signs. Uh, that things are not totally normal. But this did feel like the draft, and it's totally different than last year, for instance. Uh, and as I've said many times before, at the end at the end of round seven, it's the most hopeful time of year in the NFL because everybody thinks, for the most part, there's always a couple outliers, that their team nailed the draft. Every GM cannot believe his luck about who fell to them where. Uh, and... On balance, you look at the top of your draft especially, and you see impact star after impact star after impact star. And it's not going to work out that way, but for right now, you get to look at your new roster and your new depth charts and see just a gorgeous alignment of rising stars.
4: Yeah, I think that's true for 31 teams, and then there's the Texans. And so, you know, they're like, like their, fan, their fans are in a tough spot right now. Things will get better eventually, but I, I don't think they're feeling uh, optimistic. Uh, but you're right about it, like the return to normalcy. These, these rookies, too, are going to do a mini camp. So there's been a lot of reports about, you know, what team veterans aren't showing up and when, and that remains to be seen. But these rookies, like Zach Wilson's going to be on the field. I don't know if it'll be next weekend or the weekend after that. It's up to each team. But on one of those weekends, he's going to be playing. He's going to be thrown to some other uh, young players for the Jets. And, like, it, it is a slow return to normalcy. It's happening. It is, to
3: your point, though, about it being the most optimistic time. And, and maybe I've always felt this way, but I, I feel like more than ever, you can't look at, like, seven teams and ticket them for trash bag status. I, I feel like there are, like, 28 teams that could make the playoffs – Um, When I look at them today, but that's also to your point, you know, it's three days of everyone telling us how great everyone is that they've drafted, how wonderful these teams are, how much stronger they all are, how equally powerful each division is at this point. None of it will come true, but I just can't pick out five or six total loser jobs at this point.
2: And there will be, because there are there are always going to be teams that did not do very well over these last three days, and they needed that influx of talent, and it just will not happen. That's just the nature of this. I'm, this feels like a good place to start now, as we kind of take a above-the-treetops look, to use a little um, shadowy league figure, uh, corporate jargon. Greg, now that free agency is in the rear view, now that the draft has come and gone, What's a team that you really like right now? What's a team that you can't wait to see them um assembled on the field because you feel like they're they're better mm. and they're going to be stronger than they were last year?
4: My heart says the Dolphins. That that's the one that pops to my mind. You know, I think, you know, they got all these picks the last 2 years. I think if you're d- judging their last draft class, off their rookie year, there's some concerns that maybe they didn't use those picks that well. We'll, we'll see. And so we'll see about the, the five picks that they had in the first three rounds this year, but I liked them. Like I want to see Jalen Waddell and wolf Fuller and Devontae Parker. Uh, I, I thought the other picks they made Jalen Phillips, uh, and I, I think Tua Tungabailoa is going to be better in his second year. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like they're, they have come together. Their team has totally turned over. I know there's been all this uh, crazy – Uh, transition and different coaches like and that all looks bad but I I think they're going to be exciting and I'm kind of excited for Tua Bailoa to prove people wrong and that he's better than people think
3: I mean you'd also have to say that for all the moving up and down um, and trading that they've done sometimes those things over the course of a couple years like you don't wind up with the players you would have dreamt of winding up with but to get Waddle and to get Jalen Phillips um, two excellent players that Phil needs I don't know. This team is just so um, clearly headed in the right direction with coach and GM married at the hip.
2: Because you're right, because there's theres two parts of being a successful GM. One is understanding the marketplace and, and striking when opportunity um, occurs in terms of trading away assets to gain draft picks and set yourself up, uh, you know, chess piece-wise for the next couple of years. But then you actually eventually have to take all that draft capital that you, you wisely accrue and get some star players. So um, the Dolphins, who they, they tore it all the way down. They pretty quickly built things up to respectability. And now this year is going to be, I mean, the, the, the expectations we'll here they they are going to be expected to be competing for the AFC East, or at least a, a playoff spot. How about you, Mark, a, a team that you really like right now compared well, to, well, I don't want to steal. Um,
3: I don't want to steal your thunder, Dan, but I think there's going to be a lot of chance to talk about the New York Jets. I, I, um could not be more if i were a jets fan i would view the last 48 plus hours as the genuine turning point that one would have been waiting for for decades and i think it starts with the fact that like look if zach wilson comes as advertised i'm not saying he's the best quarterback in the draft but he's the most exciting quarterback in the draft because we're now at the point we're starting to watch some of these guys a little bit of their tape and like you can start to fall hard and i love that they went um they tucker at guard at number 14. you I know you wanted um, Landon Dickerson, but I think you got a great answer on <laughs> in the interior here. Um, and then Elijah Moore, to get Elijah Moore where they did, to get not only one Michael Carter, the running back, who was the third most, um, he caused the third most missed tackles in the FBS last year. He's an exciting um, player. He was teammates with Javonta Williams. But you get another Michael Carter, number two, a defensive I mean, one back. of
2: the Michael Carters has to be good. They can't both be bad. Like there is one no has to be good way player. they can
3: both be unhelpful. One of them has to make an impact, so I'm with you. But I would just say this, like, you know... There's, like, this, a
2: successful Michael Carter out there somewhere right now, like an accountant, like, touching his nose, like, dead on, bro.
3: Yeah, but that only works if he also has, like, a Michael Carter working, like, kitty-corner in the cube near him. Like, this right. is the the rule of two here makes it impossible give to suck. You give me one of them. them. Suck. <laughs> you, one, one, will, one will thrive. I just see, I see a plan. And, you know, look, it. I think Joe Douglas... Um, Has been given a lot of leeway by the media i don't know if it's because he's specifically in new york Um, he has been touted i think before the jets have gotten good but he had a plan he's done a really good job and i think part of it is boldness we're in the off season where if you don't think your quarterback um whether it's his fault or the team's is the right guy you be bold and you move on we've seen it with the rams we've seen it with others um, here we are, and I think the Jets basically did the same thing. And if Zach Wilson works out, all of this pivots off of that. But if he works out, this Jets team will be completely different for the next decade.
2: Well, they, they did what I was just saying. At a certain point, he did a really nice job, Douglas, setting the team up with draft picks. But now you've got to start bringing in some guys that can play. And that's why I, I've come out of this really excited. They take four straight offensive players and – uh, you mentioned um, Zach Wilson, of course, it all hinges on him. And you just hope uh, that he is the guy they've been waiting for. Vera Tucker trading up the two third round picks to move up and get him. I love that uh, because he's supposed to be a legit star uh, guard potentially, or a guy that you could just plug in there. Don't worry about in the Joe Tooney type mold. And then Elijah Moore, the, the third pick of the second round, that's a guy that could be a legitimate big time player. So you have those three picks. Those are three impact players right off the bat. So I like that. And Douglas, what you were saying about him is right. It's like he, I think there's been a lot of hope attached to Douglas, but at a certain point, it's going to have to now turn over to be some wins. And I think it starts now where you need to see growth. And I thought they, he started last year with Bechtum, uh, Mekhi Beckton, Denzel Mims, And now you add these uh, impact players. And I like the strategy with uh, the defense, which is, all right, there's so many holes here. Let's focus on offense. Let's get that thing built up in a way we never built it up around the last rookie quarterback. And then we'll let Sala figure out what we have on D and then work on that as we go forward, because this is not a uh, super bowl or bus season
3: uh, in one little, in one little thing, because you know, when you look when Mike Shanahan or uh, Kyle Shanahan went from Atlanta to the Niners, they, they made a huge push in that first off season to bring in free agents and draft players that would immediately kind of fit and work in the Shanahan offense. And I love that Sala knows enough, and he came from a place where he totally gets all that, that they prior- they prioritized offense out of the gate on the draft, to get that thing humming as quickly as possible. And we can trust Sala to coach up the defense, because we saw it last year with the most banged-up defensive roster in the league in San Francisco.
2: All right. Now, this is not going to be—this is not a— you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I was absolutely going to talk about the Browns either way, but now it's even it's even better now.
3: Scratch on.
2: Um, the Browns are so interesting. We just talked about a team where they had so many holes uh, that you could really pick anywhere, and it's like, okay, that makes sense. That's where the Jets are as an organization. The, the Browns have, over the last couple of years, built up a roster that they were able to use this draft to, to zero in specifically on what they need. Uh, so you get Greg Newsome, a cornerback, in round one. And then you get uh, Jeremiah Awusu koromoa uh, that everyone loves that pick. Second-round pick, uh, 52 overall. Uh, he fills a need at linebacker. We knew they needed help there, especially somebody who could cover. They needed help in the back end. Uh, round, th- And then I thought it was interesting. Their next two picks, uh, Mark, they take a, a burner, Anthony Schwartz, out of Auburn, a, w- a wide receiver, and that adds another dimension to their offense, but also one that kind of Odell Beckham uh, hypothetically fills as well. Uh, so it's like a nice depth pickup for them, I think, rather than something that's like we, we're desperate to have somebody that can make plays downfield. And then by the time the Browns got to their fourth pick, they're taking uh, basically a swing tackle. Like they're at a point now, I think, where they built up a roster where they they can use the middle of their draft to try to add depth to the team rather than plug massive holes. And it just speaks to... What Daniel Jeremiah said at the end of the draft, like he sees this as a potential like 13 win team. That's that's the talent that's been built up here uh, in a fair, you know, kind of a short amount of time.
3: Well, and I'll I'll let Greg in here. um, But I'll just say real quick that when Owusu Koromoa fell to them, I mean, this was a guy that was ticketed for a first round pick by many. And I started to watch him, which, you know, this is a Cleveland Brown In every sense of the imagination one that i they've not not had it's like the kind of player to me that always would fall to the opponent um if you're a jets fan it's always someone else in the afc east getting that kind of player it was always the ravens or steelers and looking super smart and plucky for having this guy fall on their lap and it's really one of the first times that i can remember where the browns draft for both all their picks these were guys that were meant to be gone ahead of time. I'm talking first, second, third round. So um, I thought that to be um, fortune, but also the fact that Andrew Berry has proven to be quite cunning at general manager. And they have a specific type of guy they want. Young, lots of college production, um, and super crazy physical met- metrics. And so, you know, Schwartz, the wide receiver, is the fastest player in college football. So that will add a dimension. I mean, how, how about a, uh, the fastest receiver in college football with the last name Schwartz?
4: There you go. I, I never thought see I'd see the day. Love that. Yeah. The, the Browns have potentially seven to nine new defensive starters. When I am gonna do projected starters coming up, and you know, I started looking at it. They don't you know, defensive tackle is kind of a question. They didn't really replace that with Sheldon Richardson. You know, they they signed Malik Jackson. That's a lot of new starters. They look good. They look good on paper. Uh, they get some opt outs back too. The, you know their coordinator didn't inspire a lot of confidence last year, so that, that's their biggest that's their biggest obstacle between thirteen wins and not is is making that all work together. Because on offense, I'm not surprised they basically did nothing this off season. They just added Schwartz. I mean, they, they didn't add a veteran. You know, they added Odell Beckham essentially, and because they, they didn't need to. I mean, they they were as loaded and and ready to go as as any offense in the league. They got to figure it out on defense. though. So.
2: Uh, conversely, Greg, uh, is there a team that you you come out of this period, and again i'll I'll kind of lump in uh free agency in March with the draft uh that you're concerned about
4: ooh I'm just like thinking of like one specific spot which is that the Colts never got a left tackle you know Sam Tevy is their left tackle who is last seen um like ending Philip Rivers is in. In San Diego and Los Angeles, and then uh, last seen letting J- Justin Herbert get destroyed. I-, I was just very surprised about that. I think they're going to have to find someone. That that combination of Carson Wentz, who holds the ball more than anyone, um, you know, behind him as left tackle. It's just one position, but I, I was a little surprised uh, about that. Like they I I'm a little worried that the Colts could take a step back in general. Um I look at Ooh, I got another one. I know I no, thought of a ahead. better a- I thought of a better answer. <laughs> Let's hear. It. You, you want to know who the Titans number two receiver is right now? Ooh. It's Josh Reynolds who was mm. last uh with the Rams. Who is their number three receiver? I don't know. It could be anyone. I guess it would be Chester Rogers. Uh they don't have John W. Smith anymore, so their starting tight end is Anthony Furkser. Uh, you have Derrick Henry now coming off like 7,000 carries in the last couple of years. Like, they've quietly had a little bit of a talent drain there, and it's not like the defense was great anywhere. So that's my answer. That, okay, I like that one. And yeah. I, I
2: was thinking with the Elijah Moore uh, move by the Jets, Jameson Crowder uh, is somebody that uh, is redundant on that roster. I, I wonder if a team like the Titans or someone else that yes. feels like, yeah, we're a little short here, especially if they don't love their slot option. Crowder could be somebody that I think would be attractive to a lot of teams. He's a good player. Good boy, um, player. I'll, he's a good little player. I'll, uh... <laughs> that, that is a internal callback to a, <laughs> a former NFL media uh, talent uh, who shall remain nameless, who whenever he wanted to emphasize his roots, uh, he would say, "Hey, he's a good little player. He's a
3: good ball player." It's like, hmm, "Are you possibly from the tri-state area, sir, <laughs> or man?"
2: He's a ball player. Um, anyway, uh, the Steelers. I'm gonna mention the Steelers. Mark, I am really, I'm playing to your heart right now. How about that? The Steelers. I only say this because I didn't hate the Najee Harris move by any any stretch. He could be a star running back, and nobody really think about it. But then you take a, a tight end. With your second uh, pick in uh, 55 overall, um, Pat Friermuth. Friermuth? Friermuth. You know, kind of a tough draft for names, by the way. Is anybody tracking that? I feel uh, like this yeah, one's got some, it's got some real challenges to it. Anyway, the tight end out of Penn State, that's fine too. But they wait until round three to address the offensive line, which I thought it was like a major area of concern for them. And then they go Kendrick Green, Dan Moore Jr., uh, back to back. So maybe, and again, this is a good organizations and good organizations usually hit on uh, mid-round picks more than the have-nots in the league. Uh, maybe one or both those guys can play. But I, I, I keep thinking to myself how boomer bust the Steelers are, and you know they didn't they didn't make a any type of bold move to give themselves some big Ben insurance. And now you, you they didn't really address what is to me a, a danger area: their offensive line. And big Ben is starting to move a little bit like Dan Marino uh, near the end there in the late nineties. Uh, if if he has to run for his life, that's how they got into trouble. If you remember with that offense going into the tank in December is everything was just like two yard darts. He was just getting the ball out of his hand so quick. And they got to the point. Where it was like, Oh, this actually isn't cool that he's getting rid of it so quickly. They can't, they can't get anything off. They can't even get good plays off and he can't move. So he knows that he can't scramble anymore. Anyway, I'm not gonna like because I know in other quarters of the internet people will pile on and be like the Steelers had a terrible draft because of this I'm just saying it's on my radar that they seem vulnerable in a way that I don't remember in past years
3: I the one I I agree with everything you said and I also really like the Najee Harris pick because it's like look at you had multiple needs um if you went and got the offensive line and then missed out on all the running backs people would be talking about you know Benny Snell is your running back in your break so it's like you kind of can't win on that front, um, but I think Najee Harris. Um, you know, we've seen Alabama backs come out and either thrive and sometimes they bust out. But if I mean, he's you're right.
2: He... I'm thinking maybe it was like the second round pick. I was a little surprised they put it off another round to go address. They have uh, a offensive. type though. Right.
4: That's what I. That's what I like about them is like Harris was compared to Le'Veon Bell like a yeah. year ago. Uh, Frymuth was compared to Heath Miller this whole draft process. It's like that's so. It's like same guy who drafted Le'Veon Bell and the same guy who drafted Heath Miller. Then just like did the same thing. And and their center in round three. They, they as Damushek loves to point out, the center position in Pittsburgh is one of the uh, best lineages in all of sports. Uh, if you really want to get deep, so I'm going to trust Colbert to to come up with it. I think they're really thin in the secondary though. They don't have a second cornerback. Justin Lane is their second cornerback. Cam Sutton's their third and Terrell uh, Edmonds was last seen, giving up a lot of big plays and he's their starting safety. So it's, it's not just their offense. I'm with you. They're, they're teetering a little more than usual. How about you, Mark?
3: Um, So I I kind of have the same feeling about the lions where I love that they um, Penny Sewell looks like he's just going to be awesome for like 15 years. So there's no critiquing um, that pick. But then, but it's also like they had a burning need at wide receiver, and they really didn't do a whole lot to address that. Now, Amon Ross St. Brown, another um, intriguing name. I mean, he's already been talked about in fantasy circles as someone that might just come in and lead the team in targets. I mean, depending on how things shake out. I mean, we'll see. But right now you're looking at Rashad Perriman, Tyrell Williams, who is more of a myth than a reality half the time. Um, Quintes Cephas and Ross Amon Ross St. Brown as Jared Goff's um, cast of wideouts. And, you know, the thing is, here's the thing. In one way, you could call Jared Goff a winner because they maybe they could have gone and drafted Justin Fields and Jared Goff is getting Goffed all over again. So he's the clear-cut starter. He's going to get a chance to, to do it, but he's walking into an offense that's sort of the opposite of what he encountered with... Um, Sean McVay's Rams where they're not ready to go. They look really stuck in the mud. And like, uh, I like what this front office is doing. Rams or lions fans are understandably sensitive. And I even got some tweets last week. Um, but look at like Brad Holmes is a good GM. They're dug in on the future. It's just think, It's going to be a tough watch well, on offense this I year. I mean,
2: you're, you're kind of coming at it from two angles though that here. Cause I'm asking you who is you don't like, or didn't like their drafting or free agency too much. And it does feel like this is all again, part of a the plan. They're not looking to make a huge splash, I guess, at a position like wide receiver, maybe because, you know, the old major, they're going to be thing. a tough watch. I, I know movie. where Mark is, I I know made, where Mark uh, is coming. Right. From. I, like, but I, I that like that might be it. the point. I mean, they, they're, they're okay going three and 14 this year because this is not, they understand that this is going to be a tough year um, regardless really. So I, I, guess I don't if know I, if I,
3: if I came on here and said, I just love what the lions have done. Um, I mean, I like Sewell, but I love everything else about their off season and they have no wide receivers. I mean, I remember a game last year where the Browns played the Jets with no wide receivers and that couldn't have been more of an embarrassment. So, you know, you gotta, you've gotta, got to give something well, I guess, to off here.
2: I guess what I'm saying is I, I almost separate the Lions from these type of discussions because they're doing something different to me than what these other teams are doing. But that's, you know... Well, that's but
1: your
3: but...
2: They're, they're
4: trying to prove a point. And so their their first three draft picks added up to 938 pounds combined. You know, they're they doing what Gettleman did when he arrived in Bite Carolina, which is like, we're going to take some big uglies. Here, here, I want to read you a quote from their second round pick uh, and new lion's fav- favorite favorite uh, Levi, Levi Onmuzariki, uh, uh de- defensive tackle uh, who said I like to f- people up I like to get off the line and just put my helmet on or my hands on an offensive lineman and f- the offensive screen scheme said this much. I like pushing him back two three yards and just making him feel like sh- this is, um, is draft defensive tackle, and hopefully my children who are, like, right there uh, aren't That guy sounds like a professional spree. wrestler.
2: They definitely I, did I, not do that correctly.
4: He's, he's like Dan Campbell as a player. They basically just, like, drafted a bunch of, like, 300-pound Dan Campbell, so I like it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, all right, you mentioned, by the way, the Texans, and uh, that brings me to my— maybe we could kind of take turns hitting on things that, we, that jumped out to us. I wanted to talk about notable quarterback moves. Uh, made in the uh, last two days of the draft. So the Texans, they didn't have a first or a second round pick uh, because of the various Bill O'Brien handiwork of recent years. The Tunsil
4: trade, the Tunsil trade. Yep, the
2: Laramie Tunsil trade, uh, which has drained this organization uh, on such a level that, you know, they're still digging out. But uh, they finally come up in the draft in the third round, and what do they do? They use it on a quarterback, Davis Mills out of Stamford, uh, the third round pick. And, you know, to me, and I, Rich Eisen on our airwaves was incredulous about the whole thing. But I I mean, it just, it, it speaks to this organization is t- turning the page on Deshaun Watson. Uh, and you, it's on two levels, because if you think about it, before the legal issues came, Deshaun Watson said, I, I essentially hate this team. I don't like the management. I don't want to be here. Get me out of here. Then the legal stuff happens, and that's still un- unfolding, and we don't know how deep and how far the road that's going to go in terms of uh, changing his career and his life. Either way, though, it's not like the legal proceedings helped his chances of staying in Houston long term. I still feel like that's this marriage is ending one way or the other. So it made a lot of sense to me, but also I would think it's just sobering as a Texans fan to know that you have Tyrod Taylor under contract for a year, and now you got this Stanford kid in the building. And it's like four months ago, we had like the top four quarterback in the league and everything is changing and not for the better.
4: Yeah. What are you going to do start Tyrod 17th straight weeks. It totally made sense to me. A lot of people like Davis mills as a, you know, as that sixth quarterback, there were different opinions about him. It's the most valuable position. You have no depth like Ryan Finley's there. And I think, I think it made a lot of sense to to have someone that at least least you try, you got to start taking swings now because you're right. It'd be stunning if Deshaun Watson ever plays football for the Texans again. And and the fact that they're not talking about that publicly, it, they don't have to. There's ongoing, you know, sexual assault cases. It's obvious uh, what's going on there. So it made sense.
3: I mean, you know, because the hard thing is, I think that the coach and GM who have nothing to do with any of this drama um, in another world would be looked on in sunnier fashion i just it's like they want they got airdropped into a really tough situation i have no problem with them taking a quarterback to greg's point Look, at, you're going to have players gathering in the next weeks and months. You, you've got to like, you've got to fortify every possible position. If if Casario's done one thing, he's spent you know little amounts of money on lots of players to just basically field as deep a roster as possible. A good roster, no. But he's coming in essentially. He's operating like someone from FEMA, and that's what they're dealing with. <laughs> and I think it's starting to. If you're a fan, you're starting well, Tyrod, to wake up. What? Tyrod will get his
4: chance finally. Right. It's, you know, it's I
3: been don't know. A, I mean, why are we still like in those worlds of narrative? I mean, I, I mean, this is fine backup, but
2: these 14, 15 months have been uh, starting with that Deandre Hopkins trade to where we are now as a Texans, Texans fan. You're really yeah. struggling. And really you really have...
4: that's that the part of the reason Casario is not getting the benefit of the doubt is because the guy who was the second most important in making all of those moves is still there and hired Casario. Essentially. Right. So yep, they, it's really not a fresh start. It's a continuation.
2: The Saints made a move. They take Ian Book, um, Notre Dame. Like some of these names in the draft this year. It's like, remember when you played Nintendo games when you were a kid and it was before they had licensing agreements with the various leagues so they would have to make up Player names. They get quite creative. You're right. And they just like,
4: I, I don't know, uh, Ian Book. There we go. That's a name. That's fine. I mean, that's the all-time Notre Dame leader in passing yards, I'm pretty sure. But I know. Guy, I know you're guy, a huge was, fan of him, Greg. That guy so. is more, I'm not a huge fan, but he probably had more airtime than any college football player in the last I, four years other than, like, Trevor Lawrence. It's because he's on Notre Dame and he started forever.
2: I loosely identify myself as a Notre Dame fan going back to when I was a kid. I used to root for them uh, mostly because they were on NBC every week. And my town was an Irish town. So it was just like, all right, I guess I'll root for Notre Dame. But uh, I was, like, kind of cr- – it was catching my attention that every offensive lineman on of Notre Dame, like, got drafted within three rounds. And, like, how come they- – had they not win their national title with all these, like, NFL uh, studs uh, blocking in front of uh, this this gentleman, Mr. Book, who, yes, went 30-5 and <laughs> five as a starter. He's the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. He's, look- he's built, like Drew Brees, six-foot – 211 pounds, so yes, he's a fourth-round pick, so it's a uh, ultimately a dart throw, uh, but just interesting in that room because it's an interesting, compelling quarterback conversation right now in New Orleans. Jameis Winston's there on a short-term deal, Taysom Hill's there on a short-term deal, and now you have this fourth-round pick that they obviously
3: like. I guess if you're a quarterback on the fringe or people are doubting you enough where you fall to the fourth round, there are a couple of spots where you'd think, I know, I know who can maximize my skills and put me in a position to succeed. Sean Payton in new Orleans would be atop that list right there it's, with Kyle Shanahan.
4: Right. Especially a short guy like, like book who's about breezes height. Uh, it, it does point out though, that I was stunned. They didn't take any receivers again. Um, you know, our friend Adam at the, uh, the saints Twitter podcast, he, he pointed out that they've drafted two receivers since 2015. There's a little bit of Sean Payton, like, hubris that like we don't need offensive playmakers it's just putting a lot on Kamara and thomas like if you're missing one of those guys and now that drew breeze isn't there it's like they're they're a little thin i i was really surprised they didn't take a receiver in this class
3: i mean at least they took peyton turner uh at number 28 overall someone that you know people plugged into the draft were basically saying who is this guy i mean it was the reaction from saints fans when that happened was um close to an apocalypse on some level
2: and then uh, sticking in uh, the NFC in the NFC North, the Vikings make a move. Also in the third round, they select Kellen Mond at a Texas A&M, which prompted a former teammate of Kirk Cousins okay. to chime this. in: Robert Griffin III, who's currently a free agent, by the way. Bob is, and but he was formerly the starting QB to Cousins' backup in Washington. In fact, they were drafted together. RG three was number two overall after a mega trade by Washington that backfired spectacularly. And uh, Cousins was drafted, I believe, in the fourth round, ended up taking his job. And uh, Cousins, you know, a bit of a divisive um, figure. Uh, This is what uh, Griffin had to say on on a Bleacher Report program about the move.
5: I can tell you right now, number eight in Minnesota is probably not real happy right now. Uh, because Kelamon represents exactly what he doesn't do well, right? Kelamon's the the big physical quarterback. He can run it, throw it all over the field, um, and I don't think that that's something that number eight is able to do uh, in Cousins in Minnesota.
2: He added that uh, he added that Cousins has been cashing checks. I believe it was.
4: He said he's. He said he's been. He said he's been been collecting those checks with a lot of eight and eight and nine and seven records so you, you can you can be sure that griffin does not look back on his time with with cousins and the shanahans uh too fondly and it's not a shock
3: man i mean i i kind of got the sense that like rg3 was sort of trying out for a tv gig where he was he's good. like I bring he was your good. Right, uh, bring your hottest him- take and like while you're at it like take a former teammate and separate it's, them into like 2000 parts. I mean that's like he represents everything that Kirk Cousins yeah. doesn't do well. It's a big armed athletic guy. I mean it's kind I, of smart I, I get it.
4: He they did kind of they did draft like a very toolsy opposite of Kirk Cousins guy at the top of the 3rd round. I you know for for all that Griffin, you know has an axe to grind if the if the Vikings are 6 and 8 after 14 weeks you, be, you better believe the Vikings fans are asking for Kellen Mond, and they might get him. Like, right. you know, they might get him.
2: Right. And by the way, that's right. Uh, if there's a playbook for getting your uh, broadcasting career off the ground as a former player, there's a couple moves you could do. One is you could, if you have like a really good relationship with an iconic player or coach, and you could have either scoopage or just insight on where that guy or where that team's coming from, that's a great move. Or you could use your new platform to eviscerate your enemies. Uh, and and that's going to get buzz and, and maybe – give you a little bit of a uh, pop in a way that you, a uh, pop that you desire.
4: Uh, see, on one hand, like, I'm doing the same thing. I'm saying like, yeah, he's killing, on the other, like, he was speaking facts, and like, we always want these analysts to not like, you know, tiptoe around. Oh, nobody's well, killing I mean, RG3, here. Not, <laughs> right? Yeah, we're not like, <laughs> yeah, no, i him. I like, guess, I'm, yeah, I liked it. It was probably just... the
3: best stock uh, quote of the entire weekend.
2: Cousins, <laughs> Cousins just isn't very well liked. I don't think he's hated. It seems like whatever locker room he goes into, uh, it doesn't seem like he goes comes out of there making friends for life. I mean, that is such a generalization as someone that's never been in a locker room with Kirk Cousins, but I don't know. You just kind of you kind of get that vibe, and I, and I mentioned Cousins. I we we're talking about him a week ago or so, and I I still believe it that it's a bit of a tough situation there now because he joined a team as the final piece and everything else was loaded up to go to the Super Bowl in Minnesota. And I don't think that's where they are anymore. And yet he's still there still being Kirk cousins. And it just puts them in a spot where they, I think they're just going to kind of live in this middle earth of the NFL.
3: And to take that one step further, I mean, you know, maybe Mond is going to be fantastic and we'll, and we'll all wonder why he fell as far as he did. But the Vikings on offense to me sometimes or just in general, feel like a team of half measures. Like, they were in striking distance to make a move to go get one of the top quarterbacks, and there was no effort to do that. So you're they bringing in a guy. They,
4: they, said they, didn't, they said they didn't consider it. It is worth remembering they guaranteed Cousins an extra year of money before right. last year. So it's this year and next year he's guaranteed. So I, I don't, their I don't timeline think, is not short.
3: I don't think Cousins would have um, so-called issues in the locker room to the same degree if he were like 25% better.
4: Right,
2: I mean that factors well in, said. but he, I mean he's well pretty said.
0: damn
3: productive when you look at his
2: numbers.
0: Like, it's their offense was
4: the funny thing, though, is their offense was the best Vikings offense. I, I'd have to, I'd have to look, but since Brett, certainly since that Brett Favre NFC Championship year, and certainly the best of the Kirk Cousins couple of years, and better than when they went to the NFC Championship,
3: their offense was really good last year. His
4: this numbers, is defense all... was Fine, terrible.
3: But do you? But do you think it was a top ten offense? I, I just don't view Kirk Cousins as, like, in no. that zone where it's like, we've got our guy. Like, you don't think other players are thinking, like, eee. I,
2: I wonder if it's it's all water under the bridge now or there's not even a bridge or water because it's, uh, it just doesn't exist because the 49ers just uh, traded everything to go a- and get Trey Lance. Uh, but I wonder if Kyle Shanahan ever asked if John Lynch wouldn't mind picking up the phone and calling Minnesota because we knew that Shanahan had a long standing uh, love of Kirk Cousins play as a quarterback, but that never, you never really heard a lot about that. I think it's like his salary and Jimmy G's
3: this. salary together is like, why not go buy like a castle in Sweden while you're at it? I mean, we're getting into well, a maybe lot of money. Jimmy, I don't know. Maybe
2: Jimmy G would go back to Minnesota, but anyway, that doesn't matter. All right. Uh, anybody else, uh, want to jump in with something that they took away from the last couple of days? Well,
4: while we're on the quarterbacks, we might as well throw in the bucks took uh, Kyle Trask, which, you know, it's, probably the 77th quarterback to be drafted behind Tom Brady. Many of them in the in the, for the second and third rounds. People kind of forget, like Kev- Kevin O'Connell back in the day, Jacoby Brissett, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and Trask. I, listening to Arians on NFL Network, he's, I'm, I don't doubt that they believe Trask fits that offense perfectly. It did make me think, like, could Arians ever stay around here after Brady leaves? Because otherwise... It's definitely a plan for the future type of move. I don't know if a lot of analysis needs to be said about it, but it's like that's a move that you make thinking Bruce Arians is going to be around. I guess we'll see. And
2: eventually, <laughs> eventually, someone's okay. going to replace Tom Brady. Like or, so, somebody yeah. will be drafted yeah. to replace a retiring Tom Brady, and that's how it plays out. Maybe it's this dude uh, as Tom Brady enters his age 44 Second-round pick. Second-round pick.
4: Yeah. How about Blaine Gabbert showing up, you know, it's UFC, you know, number whatever last weekend and you know they pan to you know bucks super bowl champions tom brady mike evans the all-time leader in bucks receiving yards and blaine gabbert well that's that's the trio i mean look at <laughs> Gabbard's doing well right now
3: i would say uh, one thing like i don't think it's bruce arians has to stick around for seven more years although he's probably been given a lot of new energy but byron left which i could see them just handing yeah. The coaching seat right over to Byron Leftwich, same GM, and Kyle Trask, who's very Tom Brady-like.
2: Let's see. Yeah, you had Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, Fields, Jones. I'll go round one. And then Kyle Trask went round two, pick 32. And then Mond, pick two of round three. Davis Mills, the third pick of round three. Book, the 28th pick of round four. And Sam Ellinger out of Texas to the Colts uh, in the sixth round. uh, Pick 34 of the sixth round. Interesting. Oh, he's one of those guys, you know, one of those guys going to be a superstar. A bunch of them will be terrible, and a couple guys will be in the middle. (laughs) What else?
4: (laughs) I'll I'll throw out the Dolphins' worst moment of the draft was when the Broncos traded up to take Javante Williams uh, in the second round. That was the 35th pick. I think a lot of people thought Javante Williams was the best running back in this class. He's complete, kind of a Frank Gore type, I think dynamic. And it just got me thinking like the Broncos are making picks like they're the defending Super Bowl champions here. They're taking a cornerback in the top 10 when they have the most loaded secondary in the league before taking that cornerback. And then they're trading up to take a running back and they've got Melvin Gordon already there. They they let Philip Lindsay go for nothing. Their receivers are their tight end, Noah Fant, is awesome. Like, they really are a quarterback away. I don't know if they can somehow get Aaron Rodgers there, but it's like every, it, it's just weird. They're like making these moves as if everything else is
3: settled. And uh, it, it's fun to watch, but I don't know if Locke's just going to ruin it all. I mean, if you looked at their draft and you had been told they traded for Aaron Rodgers a week ago, their draft would have been like, of course, it makes total sense. You've got the quarterback. You've now just turned this into a championship roster, but that hole still sits there. Um, I, I just don't think that's over yet. And I know we already discussed that, but...
2: We don't need to get hung up on the Rodgers no. thing again, but I do think we should just touch on with the update since Thursday. Yahoo Sports reported uh, that Rodgers, uh, Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports reported that Rodgers won't return to the Packers as long as Brian Gutekunst. Serves as the team's GM. Rogers is willing to consider, quote, hardline options to get what he wants from skipping the entire offseason to holding out of training camp to possibly retiring. So fire that dude or I fire myself potentially from your organization. Now, Aaron Rodgers is trying to control this a little bit now, and he's at the Kentucky Derby with that fiance of his. Let that hang Shane in there for a second. And, um, uh, Mike Tirico, our boy, bumped into Rodgers, and then Tirico provides a, a live report on his conversations with Rodgers from the Kentucky Derby, because that's life. Let's listen to what Tirico said. Yeah, I'll characterize Aaron as disappointed that news has come out of this rift uh, with the Packers. He expressed a couple of times how much he loves Green Bay, loves the fans, loves the franchise. There is a fissure. there is a chasm between management and the reigning NFL MVP. He's trying to uh, he's trying to turn public support uh, and get it with him and against management. I just don't know if that's going to work. I don't. I think Packers fans and football fans, a lot of football fans, are smart enough to know that that organization is doing very well and building up a championship team around him. And to go around, if this is indeed true, and say fire the GM or I'm out, it is. It just doesn't look great. It's not a great look. And and the Packers, I think, would be very wise to basically. Uh, challenge him if to if he's really serious about walking, go ahead and walk because that's not the right way to do things.
3: You're exactly right, though, because they've talked about him being aware of the perception of him. If he were to go, this is a like an insane power move, which is sort of the 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 off season sort of theme with these quarterbacks is just swinging for the fences for organizational power but you know you go back and look at like certain players talking about Aaron Rodgers earlier in his career that everyone's like oh he you know he had his outs with Mike McCarthy at the end I mean Ryan Grant had a quote saying actually he he always had a chip on the shoulder with Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy was the quarterback coach in San Francisco when they took Alex Smith over him in the draft they never really had a whole relationship I mean this is someone that we already know um borders into the petty worlds um holds on to grudges and is now like thinking he's going to win a perception battle with Packers fans who already dealt with a messy split with Brett Favre I mean that took a hmm. while to heal so I just wish he was more forthright like
4: don't don't try to make us like don't think we're stupid that like I'm sorry the news got out right like right. just just own it I th- I think we could have a conversation about whether it's okay for the quarterback to want the GM fired. I, I don't know. It doesn't seem that crazy to me. It's the GM's job to literally fire everyone on the team. Like, that's what he does. He plans for the future and fires everyone. There's someone in your organization that makes 70 billion times more than you is that much more valuable to you. And is making a power play just like these GMs make power plays. Gudikunst and Lafleur, I feel like, are having a little bit of a power play. It was all this controversy about what the structure was going to be. Do you remember we had that conversation a year and a half ago? And there was these separate silos, and we're going to separate things. And maybe Lafleur's not too pleased about this with Gudikunst. Then you notice this weekend LeF- from Mike Silver and Jay Glazer that Lafleur is making it known he didn't even know Jordan Love was going to be uh, drafted. And that the cooperation between Lafleur and the front office is not uh, copacetic. And it's not like it is in most NFL places. So I read that as Lafleur, you know, trying to hold the ship together, but also saying, I'm on Rodgers' side. And to me, when it's the most important moment in, you know, your career and your franchise's, uh, or one of the most important moments in your franchise's career in terms of an off-season story, it's kind of implicitly saying, I wouldn't mind if he was fired either. Well, okay. But I, you a, know, and we just I mean, talked
2: about this on Thursday, by the way, or maybe uh, earlier in there. the week when we were talking about Kyler Murray and uh, him maybe sending messages about wanting to have uh, input. And I, I think it's important that these superstar, these top of the line stars be kept in the loop on things for this very reason, because they they carry such a big stick um, that if you if you. Get them angry and agitate them. It's just going to create issues with the organization. So you give them a voice, or at least you listen, even if you're not necessarily going to take what they say seriously. You just got to play the game. And I just think maybe, maybe you can make the case that Aaron Rodgers is special enough to get the GM fired. Uh, but that's if the GM's not doing a good job. I mean, there the reason you can't do that, Greg. You can't say I, I'm in a contract negotiation. Um, I view myself as valuable and I feel like I've been kind of uh, I've been dismissed in this building. So I I announce, I decree, I want my boss fired uh, because he he messed things up. I mean, I just think that's that's just not the way you do it, and I don't think it's gonna end well. I'm just surprised with I'll Roger be lucky Duke. to get another
4: contract. I mean, but Aaron <laughs> oh Rodgers is like I'm just the most like surprised you know, that valuable Rogers... player in that, in the, the most valuable person in that organization. I, I'm with you. Right, but But Rodgers
2: watched Brett Favre kind of botch his exit out of Green Bay and and make it very personal and petty
3: in a way, and I just see him kind of making the same mistakes now, and it's just funny how history repeats itself. He has been talking about parting ways with the Packers, I mean, openly, since they drafted Jordan Love, saying, look at, hey, they did this, not me, but here's the bigger thing I have with Rodgers, because each of these, it's not just all these elite quarterbacks should have power or not. Some don't even want it that way, but for those who do, they're not all the same person. And Matt LaFleur... Like, you know what? It's real easy to look like the shiny hero when um, Aaron Rodgers clearly has it out for the guy that is sort of in a level parallel deal with Matt LaFleur. So it's like Matt Lafleur's siding with Rodgers. Here's what I bet you guarantee about Aaron Rodgers. You you remove Gutekunst out of there, he'll find someone else to be super annoyed with and it probably will be Matt (laughs) LaFleur. I think you're right.
2: I think you're right. And it is funny, like we should have kind of seen this coming because we've been following this guy's career long enough that when they do draft the kid Jordan love last year and Roger seethes publicly about it and then comes back and delivers an FU season for the ages and wins wins MVP in your mind, you thought, Oh, well, he stuck it to his team real good. And now he's got the leverage and he's going to be fine going forward. But guys like him are so pathological that it's not enough to stick it to the team with the MVP season. It's then you need to come back and say, I still don't forgive you. Even though you want to do a new deal with me, I will never forgive you for ever doubting me and bringing in Jordan love. And I still am going to make a stink until you get me out of here. I mean, he's wired that way. It's part of what made him great, but also maybe not always likable.
4: Yeah, trade trade, trade, love. You know, I think trade love or fire guttekunst in you know they, they're they offering him a contract extension already. I, so we already know that they're throw offering good a constant a co- volcano.
2: Maybe that will be enough. I mean what what right. would please Aaron Rodgers? Like uh you know
4: uh, tie him to a rock for twenty years. I don't know. What what would help? The one thing that's different about this than most um <laughs> contract stuff though is I I wouldn't be totally stunned if Aaron Rodgers did sit out the season. I do think that's possible, right? Like I, I, I do think if they call his bluff on this and don't really do much about it, that he, that he might sit it out and wait to get traded next year. It just seems like petty enough. He, he seems like, right. It's not about Jeopardy, don't hit me with but the it's jeopardy. more about, I, I like... saw
2: that Ian even <laughs> reported that Ian said something on the lines of, and jeopardy is a, a part of this conversation. I don't want to hear it.
3: No. Sorry.
4: Why are you Sorry. sorry.
2: No, I'm just like, I I don't know, like um, the Jeopardy thing. I don't know <laughs> that being like cited seriously in the reporting about his decision-making process. I don't know this, this, this fiance is, I don't know where she's factoring into this.
3: I would, I would have gambled almost not at all. Um, I know, I, I have... know where,
2: I know where Jeopardy tapes because we used to live right next to it. It tapes right there in Culver city here in Los Angeles.
3: Mm. That's, you know,
2: where does Cheyenne Woodley reside? What business does she work in?
3: In Los Angeles, based um, career.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I just wonder, you know, what's going on there. Are you All think right.
3: maybe she's getting in there and saying, you know, your, your horizons are much bigger than this. She she didn't seem to be a football fan based on That's her what comments. She said. You know? that
2: also that read to me maybe a little Lady Macbethish. Like maybe there's some that she's putting that out there publicly, and then she knows everything about the NFL behind the scenes.
3: Very Lady Macbethish.
2: Anyway, let's. Uh, I have a guest we want to bring on in a couple of minutes, but before that happens, uh, Mark, do you want to throw in something else, an observation that you have?
3: I I just love um, the power of the draft to completely change the energy around a team. And I got I got to the point last season where it was so exhausting to critique the Bears because Bears fans get it. We got it. It's obvious. It's not even an intriguing conversation. And they're a totally different team to me. Um, I still question the coach GM pairing, but they have a chance with a different type of quarterback to show who they are. And I feel like the Bears are, it's a completely new day. Um, I couldn't be happier for that fan base, which has quietly been you know, dragged through the mud for decades in terms of fielding an interesting team. A bunch of 12 and four teams that were based off of defense and scoring like 16 points a game. Worst Super Bowl ever against the Colts. Enough of that nonsense. You've got an exciting quarterback. Anything can happen from mm. here on out.
4: Love it.
2: Speaking of that exciting quarterback, I'd like to welcome in a special man. Yes, let's welcome a, a special guest here. Um, he is one of 75 Wessling brothers, but right near the top of our favorites. Uh, yes, the brother of the great, late Chris Wessling, Phil Wessling, Phil, welcome first of all to uh, the Around the NFL podcast. So we know you're a listener, uh, so first time,
4: long time for you. What's up, buddy?
5: Hey guys, how's it going?
4: What's Yeah, up? this this has to be like a lifelong dream you're realizing right now, Phil.
5: Well, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. What an no honor. No questions.
2: <laughs>
4: and I noticed right off the top, uh, Phil
2: sending a message, and we're going to ask him uh, his feelings about Justin Fields, a huge Ohio State fan, lives right next to the Ohio State. Uh, campus there in the suburbs uh, of Columbus. But I see you're wearing a Maine. It uh, looks like it's an anchor with the word Maine, the state. And is that was that a pointed critique at some recent comments that uh, Greg Rosenthal made?
5: Yeah. I mean, you guys you guys can't just kick Maine out of the union all of a sudden. We, <laughs> I mean, Chris wouldn't let you guys get away with it anyways, the comments you made, because he knows we vacation in Maine.
3: My mm. family Ooh. Does. Well, and, hold on uh, a minute here. I'll allow Greg to, you know, respond. But I, I think I sometimes with these with these things that happen, <laughs> you get clumped in. Like I used to go to Bar Harbor. I mean, I did a bunch of trips up to Maine with friends. Like nothing you but,
4: started. You guys started honking about Maine. I said I nothing negative in. about Maine.
2: I right, had to step so, in and, and 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 cut it down because it was getting out of control. Quite frankly.
3: Now, Greg, you I, you probably were utterly disrespectful. I would only imagine. I don't. I mean, I
4: love Maine. I've been there multiple times too. It, it's beautiful. It just somehow came up. It, you know, it's it's fun to it's fun to have a joke. And if you had to, you know, pick like a state to get rid of, I'm just saying. Like it would just, it would be one of the options at least that, that was it, but it's beautiful. I knew they could take a joke. I mean, no one's more sarcastic than the hardy folks of Maine. I mean, they, they gotta be funny. They, it's like, they only have like electricity half the time. So you got to use, here we go.
2: This is what I'm talking about. Phil, that's, that's the disrespect I know that you speak of. (laughs) That's am sorry that you have to hear it, Phil.
5: Well, we, we uh, vacation in the Northeast quite frequently and they're um, Portland, Maine, Kenny Bunkport, (laughs) <laughs> and uh, just south of there, uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire is one of our favorite. It's exactly. yeah, lovely. My brother lives right outside no. of
3: Portsmouth. I there had my go. bachelor party in, at Portsmouth. I mean, you you and I are basically the same. There's I, nothing separate. I went us. to
0: college at UNH and spent many a nights out in Portsmouth.
3: There we go. This is a Greg right. issue. So Yeah, this Greg. feels right.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, Phil, and I do... Uh, legendary, I imagine those road trips from uh, the west side of Cincinnati and up to Maine that's that's a bit of a hike uh, but uh, let's talk Justin Fields because you um, you've been on fields. I know you and Wes Chris used to text about him a lot and talk about him a lot um, as a guy that is a potential transcendent type talent. Now where does your analysis as a college football fan and and your homerism begin? Are you able to separate those two things? Uh, or are you are are you going to acknowledge part of this goes back to what a stud he was for your favorite football team?
5: Well, I, I, at first I was like the Bears. Come on, man, not the Bears. <laughs> but then I started thinking about it, and I was like, hey, they were eight and eight last year. I mean, they, could he get them a few more wins and make them uh, uh, that much better of a team? And I, I think the answer is yes, he could.
2: Well, what mm-hmm. makes him special to you?
5: You saw the uh, speed four, four.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
5: I think that, uh, Greg touched on this a little bit ago in a couple of podcasts prior. I mean, the guy throws a nice deep ball. I mean, downfield passes. I-, I don't know what happened. He was always considered number two before all this draft nonsense went on, but he's, he's in my mind, um, right there with Trevor.
4: It's weird because he made, you know, the national championship He, you know, outplays Lawrence, you know, incredibly productive. And yet I I do wonder if he had, like, opted out and didn't even play this season, would he have gone higher? It it was almost like, you know, people people like the new shiny thing that, you know, that was Wilson. Like, Lance did not hurt him to opt out. It was surprising. But, like, do you... Do you like what what is the biggest problem? Some people say he hold, holds the ball a little too long, maybe a little bit of Russell Wilson, but then I think like, you know, he takes a lot of sacks, but then I think like who takes a lot of sacks and holds the ball more than anyone in their careers? Like it Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Like that style can work as long as you're not turning the ball over. Like what is your biggest concern when it comes to fields?
5: Um it could be it's it's a problem with uh college football. It's like the, you play too many teams that aren't on your level and you you get too much time in the pocket, right? And then you get to the NFL and you don't you don't have that much time anymore.
2: Not with and the then, Bears. And he took a lot of sacks in college too, right? Yeah,
5: so? yeah. He did take a lot of sacks, but he's, he has an ability to uh, maybe avoid sacks sometimes too, which is like, hey, maybe he always thinks he can avoid the sack and you just can't all the time. So with his quickness and his... You know, ability to get out of the pocket. Sometimes it, it it may, it may be a fault of his that he thinks he can avoid it too many times.
3: Is there any bias um, out there among scouts? You think for the Ohio State quarterback position? I mean, there have been a lot of great Ohio State college quarterbacks. And this is true of other programs too. We could look at Alabama. Um, but then, how many have really completely? towered in the NFL I mean there's been more flameouts, and Dwayne Haskins being the most recent I mean I think that this is a completely different player but is there that bias packed in with some of these schools
5: well I was I was thinking about I mean what is um quarterback university I mean which university puts out the most quarterbacks
4: BYU um, <laughs> <laughs> Tulane Tulane for a while J.P. Lossman, you know Patrick Rand you know, Oklahoma dunking.
3: I go Oklahoma. Yeah, I I'd go to,
5: Oklahoma to right now. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, where did Mahomes come from? I mean, where did Lamar right. Jackson come from? I mean, they're not. I I don't know. I mean, where did Brett Favre come from?
2: One offs. You I don't think he's a guy? It. You think he's a star? You think that you think Justin Fields is going to be a star at this level when you watch I, him and you've watched college football and the pros for decades? Where, where do you come down on this? Give pump I him think, up. This is your boy. Pump I him up.
5: I, I think he has the it factor. I mean, he if does. you look at and i was texting uh, chris during the game against clemson this year and i mean that happens to be a 6 td game for justin fields i mean and he says he's got everything you need and he throws a sexy deep ball is what he's saying.
2: <laughs> oh yeah quoting the great td
5: he's our, also a uh, former
2: producer
3: he's he's played through pain i um, mean i think that you know his teammates seem to totally love him i don't know how he got hopscotched by Zach Wilson. Um, but it's the draft does weird things, but I mean, for me, this is small potatoes. And I know that Chris, especially thought pro days were just utterly useless. And, and maybe they are, except that what having the Mac Jones pro day unfurling literally at the same time that the Justin Fields was, um, you know, I just sat down to watch and I know how Matt Jones made me feel. It was very, <laughs> it's like having a nice cheese sandwich or something. I don't know, but like suddenly you're watching Justin Fields and the imagination starts to spin. So uh, to me, that I don't know how to detect these things sometimes, but he seems like a next-level excitement, at least, and he's going to make the Bears watchable for the first time in a while.
5: Well, sure. I mean, I you guys probably have seen the hit he took against Clemson in the semifinals. and Can't that, believe he
6: got
2: up,
5: right? Yeah. And so for him to get up and then he played, I mean, Alabama, let's face it, nobody was beating Alabama this year.
4: Right, Right. I do wonder if he's like how he's wired uh, in terms of falling in the draft and you you never want to overreact to like when the ESPN cameras or NFL network cameras cut to him, but he did not look thrilled, you know, that that he fell so far. It was not a celebratory. Hey, I got picked 11th. Which isn't, you know, necessarily a bad thing. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was pissed off the whole time he was falling, and there's a history of guys doing that. I don't know. I hope that wasn't, like, about, dang, I got stuck with the Bears. Like, do you think he's going to be on a little bit of a revenge tour? Because his whole life, he's been told he's the guy. Him and Lawrence were the number one and two recruits in the country when they came out of high school. Like, all throughout the last few years, like, it's supposed to be him and Lawrence are one, two, and he ends up getting passed by this BYU guy and – you know, they're talking about Mac Jones might even go in in front of him and and the North Dakota state guy goes in front of him. Do you think he's going to be like fired up to prove everyone wrong?
5: I think even this year in the, in the game against Clemson, he was fired up to prove everybody wrong and Mm -hmm. you saw what happened. So I, yeah, I mean, he's going to be fired up once again and hopefully the same thing happens that he, you know, I'm a Bears fan by any means, but you hey, gotta be hey, now. I mean, you now. gotta
4: buy it. I mean, you're sending yeah. Keisha and Wes, uh, you know, Ohio State sweaters and stuff. You gotta get some <laughs> Bears gear now.
5: Uh, I, I don't know. We uh, we we're Patriots fans in this house.
4: Ooh. I, mm, rough. Well, you were,
2: you almost really, got yeah. you almost you almost had Justin Fields on the Pats. That I know been, we were rooting for him. That, that would have we been special. Like oh. Greg was crying in his beer about that on Thursday night. Um, (laughs) In his green tea. So, you know, we, this is our first draft show without Chris. um, And, you know, that's, we're still getting used to all that, but it's great to have uh, another wrestling brother here. And uh, I know we, you guys, and there's plans for a memorial over in your neck of the woods uh, at a place that uh, was very special to you and the rest of the brothers. And that's great. And, we're all going to gather uh, at some point uh, this summer together, and I'm looking forward to seeing you there, but just wanted to let you know that uh, just having you on the show, uh, you know, makes us feel closer to, to Chris. So thank you so much for joining us, buddy.
5: Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me. All
2: thanks, right. Phil. Thank you. There he goes. The great thank you guys. Phil Wessling. Love that guy. One of the great, nice guys.
4: I mean, one of, okay. one of, one of Chris's favorite brothers. Let's be real. I mean, uh, they're <laughs> well, I mean, top I was, seven.
2: Uh, <laughs> I was
5: like 18 months younger than him. So, I mean, he, he was really somebody who I looked up to and like the smartest guy in the room
2: most of the time. So <laughs> I
5: like I it, was man. true when he
3: was in this room too. So I, yeah, I'm not surprised.
2: I like to think that most of the time is when you guys were in uh, deep arguments and maybe Nick was involved too. Things <laughs> getting heated up, you know. Um, all right, Phil, the, great to see you, buddy. And we'll uh, see you soon down the line.
5: All right. Thanks for having me. There
4: we goes. All right. Phil, Phil reminds me of Wes as much as any of them in the way that, like, I wish he was still on. Hopefully, he listens. Uh, just that he was there for for Chris. You know, I spent a, a lot of time with Phil in, in that last week of, of Chris's life, and no no one was there for Chris and and Keisha more than Phil. And I, I mean, in uh, Wes, more than Phil, and that, that meant a lot.
2: That's the real deal stuff right there. When, when the cards are really down and especially when there's logistical challenges, uh, Mm -hmm. because Phil has a whole life set up over in the Midwest and a family and a job. And, uh, and he was out here, uh, not just, not just this most recent bout with cancer, but the first one as well. Um, so that is a very good man. And, and we, I hope, I hope Justin Fields makes him look smart in his career. Speaking of, um, Attempting to look smart, let's check in on Go Get My Lunch. Uh, the, it is now closed. We, we set the parameters. Uh, everything locks in after the end of uh, the seventh round and um, through this show till we get to this point. So let's start with Mark Sessler. Zach Ertz won't be a member of the Eagles by the end of the draft. And I'm the only one that took you on this one. I believe, unless I missed it in the news stack, uh, Zach Ertz still a member of the Philadelphia Football Club.
3: I've lost crystal that right. one. It's crystal clear.
2: All right, an out of control animal will cause chaos at the draft. Uh, both Greg and I took up on that one.
3: Well, we don't know that didn't happen, but I I I, I lost that too. But I would say that the 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 rainy weather did not help that scenario i would have been hoping more for like a big sunshiny weekend where there were animals out <laughs> and about on the scene you know it's pretty sunny friday and saturday Pretty and nice two, pretty nice the last two the
4: days draft. yeah finally right, well
2: nudity is seen during draft coverage now this one's a little interesting and i'll mark if you want to try to stump on this one someone did send us a screen dra- a screen grab of a um a Zaf-Tig man I think full... we
3: have that actually. Um, oh, do we, uh, Erica? If you
2: there's a full figured man lifting up his shirt, uh, patting his belly, nipples exposed. Uh, in the background of a stage shot, uh, does uh, do you say that counts as nudity?
3: Um, I would suggest that his measurements um could be viewed as voluptuous, but I I don't. Um, think that that works at all? To be, I, I'm not going. I know when I need to push for something. Um, it's just it's uh, that he could be he'd be allowed to walk down the street with his sweatshirt up over his male nipples. So I'm not going to count that if that if I'm being technical enough.
2: All right, let's move on to Greg Rosenthal. The Patriots draft Justin Fields. Mm, should have just gotten negative. QB.
3: Mm. <laughs> Wait, I...
2: <laughs> male nipples? <Negative. laughs>
3: well, I mean
4: it. it you know. We're gonna go uh this is rough. we we'll to go yeah. over nine here. It's the Broncos tough.
2: draft a QB in the first round. No, they did not. So they are they're feeling good. Now, maybe they want Aaron Rodgers, but you know where this is gonna go. This is gonna go to a a really fascinating uh training camp uh battle between the two most boring quarterbacks in the league, Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> and Drew Locke. Sorry, Greg. Not personal. Finally, no running backs are drafted in the first round. Uh no, two were drafted, in fact. So uh Greg, you uh took the L on all three of those. All right. The Zeuser, a starting QB from twenty twenty, gets traded during draft week, excluding Jimmy Garoppolo. Well,
4: Thought I was no. gonna... Oh, we Thought didn't I'm... go 0 for nine. You got that we... one before I, it started.
3: I, I'm willing to like I'm not I don't want to turn in this to, to turn into something ugly, but there are tweets that I've gotten that said, "Be and I know Greg was attached to these two, although he's muted or blocked essentially everyone on Twitter, but like, <laughs> y- y- they basically said, um, go parse the language from that last show where we offer the sandwich props that the Teddy Bridgewater um, transaction did not apply to what you said. That said, I am not here to put I, too much, on, in what, in too what much way, on the plate. In what way? It had to be during that, the draft or something? <clears throat> I believe that what he said was from like Thursday through Saturday yeah. on the ship, well, something like the that. Days?
4: If he said the days, but let like, we, we could. Check I tape. would just say
3: let's investigate, but the, let's just keep that as no. A I would D. say yeah. if
2: you guys want to deny me that, then I am totally comfortable with it. You would have to, I guess, in a way, live with that. Um, well, the reality wanna...
4: is someone would have to go listen to it. I don't want to do that. No, I don't either. The effort is too <laughs> so, much. So, yeah, then you get it by default unless Ricky goes back. Jets trade up in the
2: first round and draft a wide receiver. They did trade up in the first round. They did not draft a wide receiver. They drafted a left guard. Greg and Mark make sandwiches. Jimmy G traded to the Pats during the draft. No.
3: You had your hand on the Jets pulse there with the trade up to do something frisky. I think that
2: could have happened uh, because they, of course, took a wide receiver then with their first pick in the third round. I wonder if one of those big three guys was still there. If that was uh, where they would have went with that pick, but probably not. It sounds like they were really probably well not. With...
4: They gave up two thirds for Tucker. They gave up two <clears throat> right. thirds and a first for a guard. Right, a better so play well.
2: They they seem to really uh, believe uh, in Vera Tucker. So there you go. Go get my lunch. All right. Any other final thoughts mm. uh, before we move on?
4: Let's let's go rapid fire. The fact that a uh, a man who uh, is named Tutu and weighed under 150 pounds recently was drafted in the second round is amazing to me. Let's promote body diversity here. Tutu right. Atwell. I mean the the Rams wide receiver recently weighed in under 150. He played at 155 and he got drafted the second round. It is wild to see. It's probably like, not
2: going to work out. But...
4: The NFL is changing. That that's even like possible. Trey Sermon, drafted by the 49ers. I feel like for all the hype of all these running backs, he might be my number one.
3: I, lo- I love him. I watched him in January and I just love the landing spot. I think he is going to be fantastic for the Niners. The the Cowboys kind of got, got the, uh, the award for getting boned the most
4: times because the Raiders traded one pick ahead of them to take the top safety on the board that supposedly the Cowboys were going to take. So that was their first and second round pick that were sniped. And then I thought McCarthy and you pointed this out to Mark McCarthy Jones and Jones did an almost like exaggerated fist bump for the camera to like show everyone's like, oh, we're not mad that some team just pat- went right in front of us to take our pick
3: for well, the second time. <laughs> yeah, my take on Mike McCarthy's body language was that he was not unlike Patty Hearst. I, he just seemed to be um, under and key to some degree.
2: Uh, every And anybody that's been in part of a uh, fantasy draft knows what it feels like to uh, there's that one guy that's in front of you and it's almost like he's reading your mind and he he's just sticking it to you in a big spot we have a new mr irrelevant and as you know the clock is ticking on that name could but be the last one yeah. it will be uh he'll be renamed mr special uh probably at some point mr i thought Relevant. it was mr brave mr brave <laughs> I only Uh, got
4: five more years to win this sandwich. The the future Mr. Brave
2: is the Buccaneers uh, linebacker Grant Stewart out of the University of Houston picked in the seventh round, number 259 overall. So there you go, the final pick in the draft. Did you have anything to add, Mark?
3: Well, you know, Greg talked about how much things are changing um, in various ways, whether it's individual player. Um, scouting methods uh, What we accept in terms of body types But think about how we um, started this podcast And where we were way back when And the, co- the concept That this was said um, During last night's NFL draft Ricky Hollywood fired it up One of our draft picks
5: But things are Ridiculously crazy At this draft In particular So I wanted to come out and say this I will see you
0: all right here for the show tomorrow night and i will also see you at 2022 when the cleveland browns win the super bowl and i'm out
2: wait so machine gun kelly is a browns fan now too is that where we're at
3: you know it's sweeping the nation it's it it is you just you feel a movement and uh that's it's where we're going. That's you a tough tell answer. You Eisen to the fan base. was annoyed because
4: Machine Gun Kelly was supposed to announce a pick and he messed it up, and like the whole telecast got ground to a halt for a minute or two. And Eisen, <laughs> not so quietly, like put it on Kelly that just like he, I think he just went off the reservation. No, well, he left like... the
3: Bucks in, out in the cold. He was supposed to announce the Bucks pick. <laughs> well, he had yeah, a kind of funny <laughs>
2: Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, he likes to. Uh, present himself as something as of a james dean type uh game-changing character there's a, a kind of famous story about him that he went to some type of board meeting for his record label and um so it was like a bunch of like you know corporate people all sitting around a big table and turned up the new single that he was he wanted to promote and then he like jumped up on the table and did like he rocked out for the entire song, and the entire place is like, "What is this guy's deal? Who is this person? Why does he exist?" Well, he's in the dog pound. You need to find Machine Gun Kelly. There you go. Oh, by the way, over on uh, DraftKings, Rookie of the Year odds. Oh, as Ricky also chimes in, he's he's with Megan Fox as well. Machine Gun Kelly. I,
4: I it makes me feel old because I was not familiar with him. I had never heard of him before. Friday night. Oh, Megan
3: Fox back. feels yeah. like a lot to handle. Like she's.
2: Right. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly, him. yeah, he's a, a rapper of some kind. But then he was on SNL and he was playing guitar and he's like, okay, pick a lane, bro. Uh, DraftKings, um, rookie of the year favorites, Trevor Lawrence at plus 300. My boy Zach Wilson at plus 600. Justin Fields plus 600. Trey Lance plus 600. Mac Jones plus 1,000. Hmm. Top five top five and finally I like
4: the, I like the Lance pick there the quarterback and Kyle Shanahan's a good team a little Kyle Pitts too. throw him in That could
2: got some got some saucy uh, and Pat Friermuth at the bottom of the list plus 4,000 <laughs> keep uh, keep an eye on Friermuth All right. offensive
3: and, rookie of the year please
2: and um, finally and of course this could not uh, pass without being discussed. The Seahawks quietly made a move of, ahead of the um, first round of the draft. They signed defensive tackle Robert Kimdiche. The club announced on Thursday he hasn't been on a roster since 2019 when he appeared in two games with the Dolphins before Miami waived him in November. Former first round pick. He's been tracked very closely on this show as everyone knows um, uh, because he fell out of window leading up to the draft, right. the first round pick went to the Cardinals or some concerns about, you know, his off the field stuff guy went out a window at the middle, in the middle of a college party, uh, kind of sealed a bit of his reputation. And then he kind of bombed out, but now he's back. And you know where I'm going with this guys.
3: Take us there. Play it?
6: MD check, indeed check, MD check why did you fall out that window we thought you fell out of our league but you're back and that's sweet and it's all because of Pete <laughs> Pete Carroll is the savior of Kim Gimdichet Imdiche kim diche kim di kim che. you fell out that window but we fell for you take this chance I the door walk on through take this chance I that door the window's not for you
2: out loud. We'll be back on Tuesday with another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. Thank you for everybody that followed along. Dan Hanson signing off for The Quiet Storm, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood. And of course, Bill Wessel. We love you, buddy. Till Tuesday, heed the call.
0: Calm.